The year is 2011. The public of America is getting down to the sounds of party rock anthem. And Doug Walker's empire is the biggest it will ever be. He has amassed a truly magnificent site. A site with tons of contributors, lots of traffic, and something that seems destined to sustain his career for the rest of his life. And to commemorate the third anniversary, he makes an even longer movie than Kikassia, and an even more ambitious one too. One with a professional actor, and stunts and sets. The film was Suburban Nights. And me, Esther, and Perry, once again, watched it. Not good. At great personal risk to our health and, and well-being. Yeah, yeah we, we took sanity points damage. This is, this is the, uh, I think this is officially the point in the podcast when I started to realize perhaps I have made a miscalculation. <laughs> <laughs> because this, uh, this, um, took the wind out of my sails. I, uh, I watched this last night and... I don't know. I think about like three quarters of the way in, something just kind of broke in me, <laughs> and <laughs> it it did not get fixed. It still, really isn't fixed. Um, and the fucked up part is, is that this is probably the good one, if there is one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, like yeah. of all, <laughs> of all these movies, I I think this is probably the best one, and it's probably the least offensive uh it's uh if i can just give a brief overview of the positive stuff and it's very minor but i just wanted to mention it because the positive stuff's not as funny to talk about this is very clearly for starters uh we'll talk about the set issues but um one of the big things is that uh doug and rob were so bad at filming that Lindsay ellis and ed glazer had to take over and help out a lot and you can tell because this looks kind of like an actual movie at points. Um, and that's clearly Lindsay Ellis's USC grad hand on the project. Um, was not surprised to see that in the credits. And um, there are also like a handful of jokes in this that are okay. Um, and I think that they some of the new blood they got in here is a lot more charismatic than the old guards. So that helps too. But we're talking about like a one out of 10 versus a zero. Let me be clear. <laughs> Here's the thing. The first like 10 minutes of this, maybe that's maybe the first five minutes of this. I don't really remember the point, the, the time code, I guess. But like, I was sitting there thinking like, this feels more like a real movie. It feels like there is much more of like a, a base competence level <laughs> yeah. that was not present in Kikassia. Like, you have this cold open that's, like, you know, bad, and it goes on too long, but it's, like, I was watching it, like, oh, this is how, like, a, a movie would start. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it feels, it almost feels like they hadn't watched movies before they made Kikassia, and now yeah. it's, like, they in in the year since, it's, like, oh, we should finally watch some of these, and it's, like, oh, we, we, we could do some, some stuff like that. Um, yeah. And the editing is, like, weirdly a lot better in the opening yeah. minutes at least like it's oh, yeah. bizarre like I, this is definitely the good one but as you say it's like it, it is the, <laughs> the idea of the idea of appraising this as good as i just think reflects how sort of uh, uh handcuffed we are to this entire project at, at this point <laughs> yeah um yeah 
I was just about to say, uh, I forgot to mention, we have a special guest for this episode, um, uh, Perry. Perry Ruh. Yep, Perry insisted on being in this episode because <laughs> he has seen uh, Suburban Nights, and I quote, six or seven times, <laughs> and wanted to really dig deep into this one in our podcast. So, Perry, um, uh, why don't you talk a little bit about your personal history with Suburban Nights? Um, so, when I was... In, I want to say, seventh grade, end of sixth, beginning of seventh grade, Doug Walker was probably, like, the funniest thing in the world. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then, of course, once I discovered, like, zero punctuation stuff, that was the funniest thing in the world. I didn't care about Doug Walker anymore. But from around <laughs> hey, the same. time... Yeah, it's very similar trajectories. And I imagine for a lot of people our age, that's something that happened. Um but I like got into that guy with the glasses around when Suburban Nights came out. So I saw Suburban Nights like the first, I want to say the first two times with like different friend groups. And we all thought it was like, hilarious. And then something dark and twisted happened in my soul as I grew older. And the idea of watching Suburban Nights inherently became funny to me. Um, <laughs> so I have watch suburban nights on streams with friends i've um notably before i made my short film sun gazer the night before the lead actor and i uh, we watched suburban nights um <laughs> gotta get I, into the mindset yeah I, i've seen suburban nights maybe two and a half times this past calendar year <laughs> um I, I i of all of the weird doug projects this is the one that has stuck with me the most because it's not as indulgent and bizarre as uh the one that's coming up to boldly flee but there is a very dark character to this movie (laughs) there is something very strange and off about it and i'm kind of obsessed with it yeah it's it's if you watch this one alone and we're just told, like, this is sort of an anniversary project for this website. And all these are the people who are involved in this website getting together to do this. You would get the sense that, like, oh, this is, like, this is cute. This is fun. This is, like, all these people, they're goofing off. Um, which you would not get from Kickassia, where half the cast looks like they don't want to be there. Um, you know, it's like, if you're kind of attuned, if you're attuned to things in the way we are, you can definitely see that here. Mm-hmm. Um, with mm. some of the same people, in fact. <laughs> With a uh, suburban nights, um, reportedly the set was like t- life on the set was such a disaster that uh, at some point Rob and Doug were just like, even they were like, "Hey, do you guys just want to pull the plug on this and just make like a mockumentary or something?" And <laughs> the the cast apparently were like, "No, we want to finish this because there was reportedly like an actual sense of camaraderie on set and." Um, there will never be that again in any of these projects. No, no. Right. Uh, <laughs> no, the, the, you almost quote the document verbatim because they were like, there was camaraderie on the set of Suburban Nights to boldly flee. It was hell. And I can't wait to get to that. But yeah, so I guess before we dig into the plot too much, uh, you know, we've got some new faces here. And this is about the point where I really recognize like everyone. Yeah, me in, too. In uh, Kickassia and the team brawl there's a lot of faces that kind of disappeared but uh i think here i pretty much know everyone 
Uh, so do we want to talk about some of the the new faces? Um, sure, yeah. Who who are the new faces for this one? The big um, one is Todd in the Shadows, I think, right? Todd in the Shadows, yeah. Todd oh, yeah. in the Shadows is... Um, He's up there with Lindsay as probably one of the most successful people to come off the site. Uh, Todd is a still making music criticism on YouTube today. I honestly still watch him. He, uh, I don't know what he's like as a person, but I do know that his videos have, specifically his videos once he got out of the Doug Walker <laughs> mindset have aged pretty well. But uh, uh, yeah, he uh, he's here and he's playing... Um, what is it? What's his name from the Princess Bride? The, the Dread Pirate Roberts. Dread Pirate Roberts from Princess Bride. And oh, should we uh, explain why he's playing <laughs> Dread Pirate Roberts from Princess Bride? Yeah, I guess. Um, in this, uh, Doug has everyone dressed up as um fantasy characters in this because it helps. It's like there's some bullshit plot related reason that we'll get into, but everyone's dressed up like uh fantasy characters here to very varying degrees of success and. Uh, Todd's Dread Pirate Roberts and Todd, um, look, Todd in his videos can be funny and self-effacing and charismatic, but God bless him. He does not know what the fuck he's doing in this. (laughs) (laughs) He, 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 every single line read he gives in this is bad, except for the one where he says that he needs a drink because I believe he actually does need a drink. (laughs) (laughs) Not surprising. He's, um... He's not great in it. Uh, he seems like he's having fun for the most part, which again, yeah. compared to the movies of sandwiched between, uh, is it's nice to see. Um, mm. He is one of two characters from the Princess Bride. In this you have uh, our main man Joe Vargas oh, uh, dressing we'll, we'll up. Get to oh him. yeah, we'll get him later. Uh, but yeah, I will say of all the costumes, his is probably the most clever because he already has yeah. like the thing over his head. Yeah, um, that was that was clever. Who else is in there? Okay, we've got Obscurus Lupa. Mm-hmm. Lupa is has been for the longest time one of the like original people to sound the alarm about how awful this site is. She was after to boldly flee. She was fired under hilariously petty circumstances and basically dragged the site into the fucking ground for the next couple of years in so really satisfying way. But Lupa is in this and. I think she probably fares the best out of anyone. She's a very naturally charismatic person, and um, her, her attitude, her just like her friendly attitude in this goes really well with the general vibe of this movie. And she's Princess Mononoke, correct? No, she's, um, oh. what is it? Some Snow Disney White. princess? Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, no, Mars Girl's Princess Mononoke. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, she's really good at Snow White. She yeah, does no, she, yeah, she uh she has a fun time in this. Again, you can sense that she's actually having a good time filming this and uh yeah, no, I I I thought she did pretty well. Probably fared the best out of anyone in this. Um there's 8-bit Mickey who I never watched and really only recognized through these movies. He's He's been around though. Sometimes. He was, he's been here since the since the brawl. I uh, just he doesn't Shit. get any, He hasn't ro- he hasn't had a role. Um yeah, he's sort of like the sidekick, I think, of the handsome Tom character. Yeah, and he's just sort of popped up to say, "I'm Eight Bit Mickey. I'm here," in the last two, and then he's like, he they gave him, I guess, more a little more to do. It's weird. This one is 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 weird because 
as opposed to the last one, it was very clear that there was like, all right, this is the tier of like the stars of the site. And then everyone else is just kind of there. Um, the kind of the, the, the di- distribution of like of dialogue and like things to do is much more, much more even. Um, Cinema Snob has nothing to do in this movie. Uh, Angry Joe is barely in this movie. Nostalgia Chick. <laughs> Nostalgia Chick mm. just does the same joke three times. And then in every other shot, classic Lindsay Ellis looks like she does not want to be there. Um, <laughs> it's much more like, all right, everyone kind of has more of a, more of an even, I guess, amount of yeah. bits. Uh, so other names in this, um, Film Brain has, has a, uh, has a nemesis, um, what is it? And it is Kinley Mockery. Mm-hmm. She is uh, played opposite Film Brain, and it is a, uh, it is, um, yeah, she's whatever in this movie. I don't think she like really makes an impression either way. Um, she certainly is more watchable than fucking Film Brain, who is still doing his thing. Oh my god. And- that's that Kinley Mockery? Yeah. Yeah, that's Kinley Mockery. Holy she, shit, uh, I did not know she, that. Yeah, she fucking um I I had to like make sure since I, <laughs> my girlfriend told me it's like, yeah, a couple people, you know, since this movie transitioned and I wanted to make sure I wasn't accidentally misgendering anyone and yeah. Oh, I know uh, that. Holy shit. That's so the, Ki- she's she's Colin Mockery yeah. from from Whose Line Is It Anyway? His transgender daughter, I guess. Mm. I I had no idea that Wow, that's yeah. Wild. She is in this movie, uh, pre-transition, and it is a, uh, yeah, no, that's a, that a great online memory to have, I think. But Thanks. this is apparently how she was introduced to the site. Ooh, that's rough. It's bizarre, yeah, because she's brought in the character is like, all right, you know, this is, because there's this whole bizarre thing where Film Brain is like obsessed with the nostalgia critic. Um, yeah, you, for unclear reasons. He so spends the, the movie thing, like simping. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> he's 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 big simping for sure. Um, and so she's brought in as like his. She's supposed to like he's she's replacing him, right? Like, oh, here's the the new hot thing at the site. But if she wasn't actually making videos for the site, it's a very strange choice. Yeah, hmm. and it's clear they were just paired because they have like non-American accents. It's like, oh, we need the new film brain. Well, this person has a uh, a, a Canadian accent. That's, like, close enough. Mm. And they make, like, jokes about that. Or, like, they both dress up like Harry Potter. Yeah. Uh, and she mostly exists to give film brain an arc. So film brain can be briefly evil, which means film brain's like, one of three characters in this movie with an arc. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, it's always a good decision to give your fucking arc to film brain. <laughs> It's bizarre, yeah. It's like he's not... He's an extremely annoying presence, as he was in the last one. Yeah. Pretty much unwatchable. But he is, like... He's one of three characters who have any sort of, like, narrative through line in this. And the other one is Doug. And the third one is Mati. Yeah. Uh, Who who else is in this um, that's new before we get to the actual plot? We have, um... Is there any other like real new blood in this? I'm definitely forgetting someone, but I'll I'll be I'll be well, the, fully honest. The weirdest they one don't... to me was um <laughs> that dude in Suede who shows oh, up. Oh, Suede! He's he not a... new. He's not. That's the thing. He's not new, but I don't think he was in the last one. So when oh he, showed... he wasn't in the first two. See when he shows up, and they're like, 
oh, remember he used to make videos for the site. It's I was watching it this way. It's like, what? No, he didn't. <laughs> I remember him. I remember him. So he, uh, he made videos for the site like when it first started. But after like seven videos, he had to leave the site because he is a Mormon and they go on like two year long mission trips. So wow. he just had to leave. <laughs> and this, this was his, um, I remember rocks. like, I saw the video where like everyone was like, goodbye, suede. Um, and yeah, this is his grand return. Holy, holy shit. That, yeah. that rules. <laughs> yeah, it rules. And the fu- the really, really funny thing about it is, is that by all accounts, he seems like an extremely nice and pretty well-adjusted guy too. So <laughs> it's just, just a funny situation all around. God, uh, that's, that's stupid. <laughs> Leaving, yeah, leaving that guy with the glasses to go on a Mormon mission trip is That's one so of the funny. the best sentences I've ever <laughs> I've ever had to say. God, uh, I'm looking now through as we've uh, discussed before the best website for categorizing, uh, cataloging, fucking cataloging that guy's glass stuff is TV Tropes. So I'm checking the uh, official characters page for Suburban Nights. Um. Is Bennett the Sage new to this one? No. Bennett no? the Sage okay. is a presence. He has been uh, an unfortunate I, presence in all of these movies. And is um is Paul Dugan new in this one? Who? I think no, Paul Paul came in in the second one, but okay. we didn't really talk about him since he didn't make a much of an impression. I mean, Paul doesn't in this is, one either. Yeah, he's Paul Who? is a music re- another music reviewer for the site. He's the <laughs> Who is he in this? He's he's the guy who's supposed to be like from the Dungeons and Dragons movie, who people only know about because like Doug Walker did a review of it, uh, uh, and uh, apparently, according to backstage drama, he originally was going to be David Bowie in Labyrinth because he's the music reviewer, uh, <laughs> but someone else wanted to be David Bowie in Labyrinth, so yeah, we'll get to that else. later. Um. <laughs> um. No, you know what I need for these movies? Have you ever on YouTube come across uh, how K- American K-pop fans will upload uh, music videos with the names of all the guys like superimposed over them when they appear? Um, I I need that for the, for this because I don't know yeah. I don't can't recognize half of these people. Um, what is it? So. I guess we should finally dig into the plot. Uh, we don't have a plot synopsis again, but Perry Perry mm-hmm. has insisted that he knows the plot by heart so he can guide us along. So, Perry, why don't you drop us into the cold opening? Uh, okay, the cold opening is you are in the plains of Illinois. Uh, a guy named Bill, uh, who I think is based on Ted from Bill and Ted, um, but that's okay, is driving in a car... And he sees, he's driving around, and he sees the coolest dude imaginable hitchhiking, which is a guy with, like, a staff and a black fedora and a faux leather coat and, like, a $10 sunglasses and a black turtleneck. He looks um, like, he looks like if you gave, like, Morpheus a, a Comic-Con haircut. <laughs> yeah, well, he's very much, as the first joke in the movie says, you look very Matrix meets Matrix Reloaded. Yeah. Um, he looks a little this, more trench coat mafia than Matrix, I gotta say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, his name is Malachite, um, which is a bad guy name. Uh, and he gets in this car and he's like, I want to go to Chicago. 
and then gives like this black mirror speech about like how technology is bad and bill's like i love my gps it drives me the wrong place but i love it so much um and then malachite gets so mad that like he kills him uh which is like an exterior shot of the car and then like a blood png with a half-life 2 pistol sound effect um and then malachite gets out of the car and blows up the car and you know he's on his way to chicago uh and the bad news is is that our intrepid heroes live in not chicago but downers grove illinois which is like 30 minutes away and i guess the way it's it's the way how people who are like in a suburb in an hour and a half outside of boston say that they're from boston exactly yeah (laughs) um i i think it's still technically in cook county um so maybe it counts but the movie is shot entirely in downers grove uh that's one of the reasons why as i've relocated to chicago and i've been to downers grove a few times this movie uh brings me no small amount of joy slash pain uh is because like i i know people who live near the suburban knights playground you know like it's that kind of thing uh it's like the rocky steps yeah it's like it's like the rocky steps for people in downers grove i mean this is definitely (laughs) the most culturally important work of art to come out of downers grove i think (laughs) like usually when someone's that close to chicago they're just like oh we'll just go there but i mean look you got the fucking john hughes movie and high fidelity and stuff here you got suburban nights in downers grove um meanwhile they're in downers grove uh a friend of the show angry joe is the first character on screen which is a good sign and he is walking very That's excitedly. How you want to kick off your movie. Yeah, you want to kick off your movie. Angry and I will Joe. say the most dynamic camera move in the movies it starts with like tracking back on Angry Joe's shoes as he's walking down the street, and then like I think it just like whips up to his face, and that's like mm. a move, you know. That's that's a camera thing happening. Um, Angry Joe, uh, as you've mentioned before, very annoying presence. Um, <laughs> very very interesting man. Uh, it's funny how there's, like, multiple videos of him getting, like, his ass kicked by Jeff Keighley, and then he makes videos where he gets angry at Jeff Keighley. That's the main <laughs> thing he's known for. Can't imagine um, getting your ass kicked by Jeff Keighley. Yeah, he made this whole video when, like, the Video Game Awards were still run by Spike, I think. Uh, uh and... The Golden Age. Yeah, Angry Joe, like, confronted Jeff Keighley and was like... Why wasn't Final Fantasy fourteen nominated for Best MMO? And Jeff Key is like, I don't know. I, I just post <laughs> this. And then Angry Joe made like a, a fifteen minute video where he's like, This is so embarrassing for games journalism. And it's like, okay, man. <laughs> you dress up as the Cobra Commander in your reviews, like, all right. Um so, so yeah, that, that's Angry Joe's introduced and he's like, Oh, I want a free car and just have to go to this address. And the address is of course the house of one Douglas Walker. Which, I, I gotta say, this is one of the very few jokes that I actually kind of chuckled at, is when he gets to the he gets to the house where he's like, I want a free car, and then he just starts screaming in pain because he just sees everyone there. I That yeah. is one of the few jokes I actually did kind of chuckle at. I like at. that, like, too. Like, it works. Yeah. It's, a, it's, yeah. a, it's a good gag. Uh, yeah. One of, the, one of the first and one of the last. Yeah. yeah. He's introduced, and then uh, another gag that kind of works is like he's talking to everyone he's like the critic tricked you all too and then uh spoonie um comes in and he's like hey guys where are we gonna go see any screams um spoonie another very interesting figure um best known for having less patreons than the sleazoids podcast um he has a cop brother who shot a guy in the face and then his boss sheriff jar pio was like that was a good good job um those are two things you should know about spoonie 
And then they just kind of like hang out together. Because then Doug shows up and, you know, they banter. Um, mm. Doug's like, I found this cool videotape. And they, they play a videotape that's like, uh, here's a news report from the 80s that's shot on 2011 Digital. Where they talk <laughs> about how like some guy went crazy playing a tabletop role-playing game and went missing. Like the movie Mazes and Monsters. Um, and then it ends with a joke about how, like, anyways, the president's been shot. And it's like, oh, it's the 80s. Reagan just got shot. If I wanted to get all, like, that got the glasses with it, I could say it's interesting how they mentioned Maze and Monsters, even though the book got published six months after Reagan was shot. But, you know, I, I don't do those kinds of things. Um, <laughs> this, this bit, we should mention, by the way, the newscaster in this bit is Doug's uh, father. <laughs> oh, really? That's wonderful. That's rough. Yeah. Dude, leave your family out of this. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. so, so the plot is like there's like an evil gauntlet that this guy was looking for and is now buried somewhere. And Doug's like, I found a map in this videotape and we're going to find it. But to do it, we got a live action role play. So we're all going to dress up like fantasy characters and we're going to meet back here tomorrow. Um, and this is like 20 minutes of the movie is all just setting it up. And I, then I, I, yeah, there is... I timed it. There is a seven-minute sequence <laughs> of introducing every character and doing a bit about their costume. Every yeah. last one. They they all dress up. Um, can I can uh, can we just list them? Can we? Yeah, just let's just go through them. Let's so go through so them. So there's a context. So Doug is playing Link from The Legend of Zelda. Yes, he is um, a very upsetting Link. Yeah, that is that is that is <laughs> one of the most. Uh, distressing images I've ever seen. It's is not good. This 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 balding oaf dressed like one of video games' greatest twinks. Oh yeah, like he he's he's dressed as Link minus the tights, because um, I guess that'd be gay or something. Well, Other well, people no, there's, an, tights. there's an important, important joke. Oh, an important joke requires... because yeah, because if he was wearing tights, you couldn't have a joke where you see Doug Walker's dick and balls in his underwear. Um... <laughs> Which you know, that that's great, thanks, man. Um, you have Angry Joe's Inigo Montoya, yes. uh, and the joke is he does the Inigo Montoya catchphrase, but he keeps forgetting the line. So instead of it is, you killed it's my father, it's the pilot, worst like, running joke in the movie. It's, it's you killed my accountant. I'm like, oh, that's funny. It's like every single time he makes it, it is painful. It's really bad. It's like He's it's like having perfect. It's like a perfect combo. Of how Angry Joe is one of the least charismatic people alive, and how it's like one of the worst jokes Doug has ever written. So it's just like it's a it's a really special blend of awful. Uh, then we have Nostalgia Chick who's playing Arwen from Lord oh, of the you, Rings. You and as I said, oh, oh, I'm I'm, I'm yeah, going off you, the, the IMDb. Oh, that's fair. That's I don't fair. Know if this is the order yeah. they're introduced in the movie. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> do, do you remember off the top of your head the order? I remember the first few, yes. Because I and remember. Please, by all means. I don't I, want to well, well, I'm pretty sure after. Uh, I don't Andrew know Joe, my favorite movies this well. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> listen, you just. You should maybe know some of your least favorite movies as well, at least. Because um, after Angry Joe shows up, then Linkara shows up. Um, Linkara is dressed as King Arthur in the musical. Camelot and his jokes that he sings a lot. Um, Linkara yeah. definitely put the most effort into his costume, and that it is clearly custom made because the atop the fourth wall logo is like on the <laughs> yeah. <of> armor. 
<laughs> it's so funny. He's got the fucking atop the fourth wall logo on his shirt while he's cosplaying. It's it's honestly one of the funniest things in the movie. It, and it's, it's worth knowing that Linkara like takes this this whole that got the glass thing way more seriously than anyone else on the website probably combined. Um, yeah. I don't know no. if any of you have watched a Linkara video, but. Every Linkara video is like 40 minutes long and maybe 20 minutes is him doing like a thing where he reads a comic book and he's like, what? This doesn't make sense. This art sucks. And the other 20 minutes is him like, I don't know, dressing up like a Power Ranger to fight a guy dressed up like Pyramid Head and giving like epic Stephen Moffat speeches. Um, no. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, no, that that is definitely, yeah, I remember that. I think I watched, like, a handful of Linkara videos, and, yeah, I do remember there just being a bunch of, like, weird bullshit where it's just, like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this, like, story about how I'm fighting demons in my comic book review. <laughs> uh, and he has this really insistent internal lore to the point where I'd say about half of the next movie you're gonna watch is completely indecipherable for people who, like do not have an encyclopedia of Linkara lore available. Awesome. I can't um, Oh, that's, that helps. No, yeah. I, I wanted to take a sidebar and say, I agree with you that one thing I noticed about Linkara, since he's always been kind of in, shall we say an enigma in these movies to me. And I think it kind of clicked into place here. And it's that he, his defining characteristic in all these movies is he takes it way too fucking seriously. Yeah. Like, all the other people sort of have the same kind of, I mean, even if they're irritatingly smug about it, they still have the same, like, how oh, we're just a bunch of friends goofing up vibe. And they don't put, like, they're not straining to, uh, what is it, make an impression? This guy is, like, capital A acting in every scene he's in. Oh, yeah. It, he's it, having it, so much jarring. fun. Uh, he, like... There are jokes about how, like, Nostalgia Critic will say, like, magic isn't real, and then Linkara will get angry, and that's all just, like, lore shit of Linkara videos. Um, <laughs> there was a minor villain in this movie who are, like, fake ringwraiths called the Cloaks, who then became recurring characters in the Linkara series. Wow. Um, <laughs> he, like, he very much does treat this like uh, like a comic book, where the crossover so events the, are this important. Is not the Doug- cinematic universe this is the linkara cinematic universe oh yeah no very much i mean he made his own atop the fourth wall the movie don't say that esther now we gotta do the linkara movie (laughs) linkara movie i mean it's great i yeah we do Uh, do. yeah so that's linkara shtick in this and then yeah i think Lindsay ellis is after um and she's arwin right yeah as i said does these same her only participation in this movie she does the same joke which is the bit from Lord of the Rings where it's like close-ups of Arwen as she's like, I think it's when she like she's like taking Frodo to Rivendell and it's like, because he gets he's injured. I don't remember honestly. I haven't seen this movie in a long time, but it's the yeah. same joke three times, and that's yeah. the only thing she does yeah. in this movie. And every other time that they cut to her, uh, and you see her sort of in a group shot, she looks like she's. <laughs> dying she's, had she like, she's just been told she has cancer she looks i'm like... smoking on the shit that li- that made Lindsay ellis act in these movies <laughs> i'm huffing on that jankum that she was using so she didn't kill doug walker during these um there's a there's one other joke she does where it's like when she speaks it's like word salad and then she'll say like read the subtitles which i just gotta say that joke is done much better in austin powers gold member <laughs> <laughs> like significantly better in gold member 
Um, Doug probably stole it from Goldmember. Doug almost certainly stole it from Goldmember. Yeah, because as like as we've established, Doug's Doug doesn't understand the concept of coming up with your own jokes or like your own sense of comic timing or delivery. He he like he like in a in the document, Lupus says that Doug literally does not get the idea of having an original sense of humor. Yeah. In fact, one of the things that's in that document that one of them brings up is that on the set of this movie, Doug would keep telling them to, quote, do it like I would do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Like, yeah half and you can half see- of these people are playing characters that are just references to Doug videos, not their own videos, to, to nostalgia critic videos. So this is just him... <laughs> Just using his 20 fucking employees to, like, play out this bizarre series of references to his awful, awful videos. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think I think that probably is why some of the people who, in their own videos, seem fine, like Todd, are terrible here. Because Todd's, like, whole thing in his videos is that he's, like, a depressed, miserable loser. And he can't do Doug's, like, epic badass thing that well. Yeah, he, he yeah. is definitely straining himself in this. Uh, also straining himself is uh, last video you said that like Phalus was one of the best. Uh, Phalus is oh, terrible God. in this movie. Phalus so is so bad. bad. I wrote in my notes, he, he's playing the rock biter from... Uh, yes. What is it? <laughs> from Neverending Story. Neverending Story, He's also Gollum, yes. yeah. And he's doing this horrible, horrible voice. I wrote in my notes, Phelis, please don't do this the whole movie, and he does. He does yeah. this voice. I, I'm, I can't even imitate it. It's this bizarre, like, shrieky, like, croak. It's, it's, your, it's your friend who thinks he can do impressions but can't trying to do Gollum. <laughs> yeah, he's bad, and he has this whole thing. Like, his only joke is he has, like, two action figures. He's like, they're my friends, and everyone's like, no, 8-Bit Mickey specifically is just like, repeatedly, that's weird, dude. And he's like, you're weird. And that's it. That's a joke. No, fucking Phelous. The problem is, is that Phelous's key strength is that he's like a, he, he has that like really sarcastic drawl. And the reason why he's good in Kick-Assia, well, good, but reason why he fares okay in Kick-Assia is because they just let him just like roll his eyes and say shit. But in this, he has to do like a character and he just, that is outside of his range. He can't do that. I, I'm going through the document right now, and I list uh, Benzai as Conan and Bant the Sage as Aslan from Narnia, and those are both the same performance that they do nothing. Yeah, um, yeah, not characters. Another one, Benzai, much more prominent in Kickassia. He's barely in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's he, he, he's he's in this for a bit. You know, he's Conan. He says Crom, and that's about it. Um. Handsome Tom is Willow. Uh, that one joke is he's just a big guy who says, I'm Willow, because Willow's short. Apparently he requested to only say the line, I'm Willow, because he was uncomfortable with how much dialogue he had in the last one. That's pretty funny, actually. I like that. <laughs> uh, 8-Bit Mickey is Peter Kim. Pan. Um, 8-Bit Mickey's actually pretty okay in this movie, I think. He's, uh, he's, he's all right. He, he, yeah. he has a good time being the punching bag of the entire movie. Yeah. One of the few jokes I laughed at was when, um, was it, uh, just some of the short jokes people threw at him kind of cracked me up a little bit, but yeah, no, he, he, he is one of the, he fares okay in this. He got short jokes. There's like one homophobic joke where someone's like a little green fairy. Just one. Like, okay. Oh, just one. <laughs> no, well, there are a lot of homophobic jokes this week, but that one about him specifically. 
We'll get to that eventually, I assume. Yeah, homophobic Uh, jokes subcategory 8-Bit Mickey. Yeah. Um, uh, The spoony one is Gandalf. Um, uh, um, Esther, Esther. Okay, we've been putting this on for long enough. Let's just do it right now, Esther. Yeah. Give us this, give us some spoony one lore. Oh God, it's here's the thing. It's 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 dark. It's really yeah, it's dark. dark. <laughs> I, um, I made I made the Ian Curtis joke, but like it it, it it is pretty fucking dark. Yeah, here's the thing. My me- I was a huge fan of Spoony One, like I've said. Um, my memory of how things initially went down is that his girlfriend broke up with him, and he sort of began this emotional descent into darkness and I have this vivid memory of he did like a crossover video with some other people um and he at one point brought up his ex-girlfriend and you could just see the other two or three people like a, the silence of the grave fell over their fell over them like they looked like they looked like just the pallor came over their faces it was like dark and he and you know he he seems to have been he's had some mental health troubles he's he's been definitely emotionally troubled for many many years um and it's just mm. it's really it's bleak and it's sad like his videos sucked in the ways that all those big guys videos sucked back then um but just his descent was just awful to watch and perry will you tell us a little more about his brother yeah i mentioned earlier his brother is like was like a cop who shot like an undocumented immigrant in the face. And then his boss, his direct boss, uh, one Sheriff Jarapaya was like, oh, he did the right thing. Um, and the Spoonie subreddit is seemingly constantly at war over if it's okay to talk about that. <laughs> um, and Spoonie, I mean, as mentioned, makes less money on Patreon Jesus. than like most podcasts that our friends make. Um, it's weird because he was huge. Yeah, like he would have been. I th- we talked about this, and I think the first episode he would have been bigger than Doug. Oh yeah, think. yeah. Oh no question, because his early style of video, where like he played Final Fantasy VIII and like called mm. Squall gay or whatever, still is like yeah. a <laughs> classic, a format that can still last into today with a few tweaks. Uh, where Doug's stuff has it all feels like it's from unearthed from the fucking tomb. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember his Phantasmagoria 2 Let's Play was, like, very foundational for me. Oh, um, yeah, that was a very funny video at the time. The wrong opinion on that game. Um, oh, great but... game. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, like, that, he would have been enormous. And yeah. it's 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 fucked up how how things went down. Um, whether or not he was a good person is not, is less relevant, <laughs> I guess. But maybe, <laughs> whether or not any of these people were good people. Yeah. Well, yeah. Is its I, own question. I, I... Yeah, I don't, I, literally, like, I, I fucking hear rumblings about bread tube stuff all the time, and, like, the only people in this movie who seem, like, still seem like decent human beings, I guess, are, like, I don't know, Suede, the Mormon guy, he seems fine. Suede's just chilling. He seems like an okay person. Yeah, he's just chilling. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he's Gandalf in this movie, Spoony one, um, Mm -hmm. And his joke is he's a tabletop guy, so he, like, LARPs. Uh, and then there's one bit where he plays a character from, like, one of his, like, reviews where he reviewed, like, a a, v- a board game with a VHS. And he did, like, a funny VHS face voice. And that guy shows up briefly as, like, a character who, like, oh, you have to touch a rock. 
and speak to a psychic spirit and it's Spoonie doing that. That bit was also know. okay. It went on for too long, but like, yeah, that was, and that was a film brain bit too, which is the that weird was thing. yeah. There are a couple people like playing their other characters. Doug, of course, has all of his fucking assholes show up. <laughs> <laughs> Just like all these fucking oh bum reviews here, awesome. <laughs> no one watched bum reviews. No one watched. Ask that guy with the glasses. Ask, I, I watched. I absolutely watched bum reviews. <laughs> I watched okay. I watched a little bit of Ask That Guy with the Glasses, like a tiny amount, but like I'm innocent. Bum reviews, really? Yes, sir. Of course, I was. I was. That was the shit. It was like, oh man, he, it's nostalgic critic, but he's talking about movies that just came out. I want to hear what he has to say about The Dark Knight. <laughs> um, my favorite guy is up next. Who's, who's that? Uh, Brad Jones. Oh, oh Brad. Brad. Brad is also. Brad is sort of. I hate to make this comparison, but he's been on my mind since in Family Guy. We talk about how James Woods is a piece of shit, but he's also one of the best character actors of all time. So we we got to give it up in some respect. Brad Jones, Brad Jones is a piece of shit, but he's, again, one of the most charismatic people oh, in God. these movies. Brad Jones is so cool. Brad Jones, before <laughs> we record this, we were talking about Brad Jones uh, and Spence Houston. Brad Jones is like Fantano and that he's always looked 39, which is true. Brad yeah. Jones is the same age as Doug. He is 31 at the time he filmed this movie. Uh, that does not show. Uh, yeah. Like, he's he's a guy who, like, I don't know. He's interesting to me because he looks like he's lived a life, you know? Like, he's been divorced. He wears, like, rings. He has, like, the cigarette-tinged voice. He looks like, like an adult, ma- I think. Is- he looks like an adult. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. made, the like... the these people do not. He's made, yeah, like, even the people in this movies. movie who are very clearly mid-30s yeah. do not look... Do not like they they're still acting like like nineteen year olds in the D and D club. Exactly. That's so interesting is he's like very much like visibly like a, a capital A adult and like he made like low budget like Giallo riffs or whatever, which I mean probably not good. But, you know, he made, you know, non internet personality based movies and like his favorite movies are like Caligula and Big Wednesday and shit. <laughs> uh and now he's yeah. hanging out with dudes like Linkara who dress up like Power Rangers. Like it's very it's very uncomfortable to watch. Two things about about cinema snob in this. One is that he's playing Indiana Jones, and I know that they are loosey goosey with where these characters come from. But Indiana Jones is not a fantasy character. Oh yeah, it, it, that has definitely had been one where Brad's like, "No, I want to be Indiana Jones." Yeah, and also subject of one of the best bits of of I am to be trivia from this film, which is that he has a bit uh, later on. Where they find this uh, small box, and he says, "Oh, this is the box of a carpenter, like the line in Last Crusade." Um, and according to the Spoony one, though, Aunt Weiler quote that line was his least favorite, as he had no idea what it was supposed to mean. Look, look at look at the tropes page for him. It says, <laughs> "Here's an entry: Don't make me take my belt off." Airport security forced him to adopt this as opposed to expecting the whip it good, which is hilarious when learning he actually arrived to the shoot by train. <laughs> Amazing. That's great. Yeah. Taking taking my Indiana Jones bullwhip on Amtrak. That's, uh... So as, as we sort of get to the last ones on this list, I, I want to say about Todd in the Shadows... Um, his introduction baffled me because he comes out as Dread Pirate Roberts and the joke of his intro is that nobody knows what it is. But like five minutes ago, 
Angry Joe came out as Inigo Montoya. <laughs> it's from the same movie. <laughs> yeah. It's also in Dread Pair Roberts literally has like more of a costume than Inigo Montoya. He's the main character. He's Inigo Montoya is a side he's character. character. Inigo Montoya is a side character. And Dread Pair Roberts has like an outfit. Inigo Montoya is like 17th century dude. Yeah, Inigo Montoya has the famous line. But... Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, yeah, there, Todd, there are... Todd's, Todd does not do well in this, as there I said. two more left to cover. Um, I think we're going to start with the less risky one, which is yeah. Mars Girl speaking Japanese. Yeah. Um... <laughs> she was asked, apparently, to translate her own lines into Japanese, by the way. Uh-oh. <laughs> God, what the fuck? Uh, yeah, God, she... come on, man! <laughs> M- Mars Girl... So stupid! You wrote the fucking script, you fucking balding lunatic! <laughs> <laughs> she's playing Princess Mononoke, by the way. Yeah, she's playing Princess Mononoke, and she like has a spear and speaks entirely in Japanese. And that is, um, yeah, that's there's one character left, everyone. Yeah. Oh boy, I I want to say that when when I when I. Okay, I want to get the lighthearted stuff out of the way first. Uh, when this guy came on screen dressed as David Bowie, and David Bowie is, like, probably my favorite musician ever. When he came on screen dressed as David Bowie, I literally paused the vi- I've seen this movie before, but I paused it, and I just screamed, No! No! Yeah. No! Yeah. No! You did an Angry Joe at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> yeah, no, I I literally was so fucking mad that he was David Bowie. It's a problem. I, oh, God. And, uh... Yeah, we got to talk about Jew Wario. Jew Wario is David Bowie in Labyrinth. Uh, the other lighthearted thing is that in Labyrinth, uh, David Bowie notoriously wore the tightest pants of all time, so you could see his massive hog the entire movie. And uh, th- there's a lot of jokes about that. Juario doing the same thing. That's and, the uh, one joke. Yeah, the big the joke is that <laughs> I hate the sentence. Juario has a big dick. It is a Jesus fucking. So we Christ. should say let's just let me just describe what happens in this intro, and then we can talk about it. Um, yeah. He walks out. He's Jareth. He has a huge, huge cod piece. And then the three women in this movie like rush up to him and like get their hands on him, like fawning over him. And the the reason that's a problem is that uh, he was like uh, apparently up to some bad stuff. Yeah, he was, he was a sex actually, creep. Yeah, he was, yeah. He, was a, he was a sex creep. Like yeah. Yeah. straight I, up. I uh, yeah, this is the part where we don't get to have fun. Um, Juario. When this document came out about not so awesome, uh, uh, they they an anonymous person came forward and said a member of the site groomed her, and uh, it kept it was kept anonymous who did it, but um, what is it? It came out pretty soon after, like it was pieced together and came out pretty soon after that the person was Juario. Juario also uh, uh, a little bit after to boldly flee. I think like I don't know, maybe a few months after to boldly flee came out. Uh, he shot himself in the bathroom and um, it, it kind of threw the whole community for a loop. It's this, uh, I think, I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure both these things are correlated to some extent. I, I it's, yeah. I think 
he killed himself because he knew of that this stuff was going to become public. I cannot remember. Perry, do you know? No, you it's just it's just fucking depressing. Like, yeah, it's just a sad story. Yeah, it's it's awful. And yeah, I uh, look. We're we're gonna have to talk about you, Wario. He does some things that in this movie are, I uh, you know, are kind of on their own, like don't all hold up well but with this in mind they get even worse yeah it's, uh, it's, i mean literally the, the entire joke in the movie is that like people want to touch his dick or he'll do things like you want to hold my ball or like he flashes people like it's bad yeah, he flashes people in the climax and that was the part where i was like oh, come on man yeah it's <laughs> not uh it's it's very uncomfortable yeah it's uncomfortable it's it's like you know we make fun of these people because they were like annoying dorks on the internet or you know some of them did worse things but like by and large the, our angle of making fun is that these people made shitty movies but this guy is like th- this is a different level and i think we're gonna kind of stay away from that topic aside from this necessary sidebar yeah it's yeah 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 i, I mean there's not much else to talk about with Wario in this movie i mean yeah. that's that's all that's his whole character in this um yeah, but David fucking Bowie? David Come Bowie. on, man. Yeah, Come David on, man. Labyrinth. And again, it's, it's worth noting that originally the music critic guy wanted to be David Bowie in Labyrinth because he's a music critic. That's his That's his thing. And then the guy who does Common Rider videos was like, hang on. I want to be David Bowie in Labyrinth. God. Uh, and that's uh, our cast. That's, I mean, it's an ensemble. Um, uh, there's a whole lot of dumb fucking side characters, like stupid villains. Um... James Rolfe shows up in it again. Oh at one yes, point. can we? God bless can him. we please? Because this is the third one in a row where he's the thing I liked the most about the movie. Yeah, James Rolfe yeah. is such an oasis in these movies. James the Rolfe, God, talking, I, it's like, I, oh my I'd God, like... he's back. Save us. Yeah, he's not even in the movie. It's just his voice. It's his it's voice his alone voice. is like, and he's he's just like, I don't know, I don't give an ass. And I was like, oh, thank you. I feel <laughs> yeah, my literally soul has been like saved. It, it he he is like like compared to the rest of the cast he is like fucking Peter Falk or something. It is. <laughs> he is you like the Alec Guinness like, on the set where it's like he <laughs> and it, oh, and he wasn't even on the set. Yeah. yeah, that that's a fun story. Is originally the plan for the movie is is gonna be like of course the most 2011 epic thing of all time is gonna be pirates versus ninjas, uh, and James Rolfe was gonna be like king of the pirates, and he was like I can't do that. And then he just, I, I like to think it's because he's like, no, I don't want to do this. And then he just shows up like a voice cameo where he spends like three minutes where he's like, what a fucking ass. And then he disappears. And it's like, oh, that was the best part of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> um, he's like a, a spirit. There's a lot of magical characters in this. There's um like a witch in the jokes. Like, oh, she's like a kindly old lady, but she's also a witch. There's... um. That they're the the ring race and the joke are that they're like badass and stuff. There's um the one that is like genuinely clever is they're like a there's like a, a Jim Henson like puppet monster and then when it has to attack like the puppeteer is just like some dude who stands up and just starts punching people with the Muppet hand. That, yeah, that, that's cute. And oh god, we gotta get theory. into the plot. We're 52 minutes in and we haven't yeah, okay. even done the plot. <laughs> the plot most, okay, I mean, that, get... that honestly covers most of the plot. Most of the plot yeah. is them just sort of walking along this like bike trail in along people's backyards <laughs> in this neighborhood and encountering yeah. these enemies. 
So they, they split up on two different paths, and, like, there's this big scene where they they have to do the big trailer shot, which, of course, they call out, where they all walk over the hill, and this music, all, like, the free epic music in this sounds like Two Steps from Hell, like, something that'd be in a Mass Effect trailer. Um, and then it's most of them just walking through forests on these It's stuff you'd see in a fucking Call of Duty fan video. Exactly, exactly. And, and it's a digital camera where the white balance is still off and it just looks like shit. And it, the thing I wrote in my notes is quote, all the forest stuff looks so fucking ugly. It reminds me of playing Mon Warfare two on my mom's laptop. Um, <laughs> it gets yeah, very is, much is... like low graphic setting military shooter, just smudges and textures of Brown and green. It reminds me of nothing so much as the shit I made with my friends in high school. And not just the technical incompetence, but like the location. Where the locations yes. they find are the bike path behind our house and the playground near our house and our front lawn. And it's like, if all of these people were in high school, this would be so much more. This would be like genuinely charming, I think. Yes. Yeah. You'd watch this and be like, oh, this is cute. Like they, like they all these high school friends got together and they made this goofy movie. Uh, and the yeah. fact that all of these people are 35 years old <laughs> changes the tone a little bit. Yeah. I, I guess we should address this now. Oh, sorry, Perry, you can continue. No, no, you go on. I I guess we should address now. Um, This, uh, this was probably the most illegal film set of all time. <laughs> like, it's, it's, uh. Like in terms of broken laws, it's probably on the same level as uh, the Twilight Zone movie. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, uh, thankfully no one died. There were only a couple of injuries, and uh, but no, the one of the defining features of the set is uh, Doug and Rob didn't get any permits to shoot anywhere, uh, <laughs> and including the playground. They did not. They did not have the rights to shoot there, and I remember uh, Iron Liz, who is a friend of friend of Linkara's, um, and was kind of brought into this movie just because she had a car. And <laughs> high school, and, high school shit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and um, she. It's really kind of depressing if you look at the document. Like she, she just like wanted to help out, so she just like brought her like van, and they she drove people around. But then she basically became the walkers like slave, and she asked, I think at one point, like, "Hey, can, do or joke to them is like, hey, can we get like a permit for this?" And then they were like, "No, shut up, <laughs> just I, don't I mean, talk about it, just don't get caught." In fairness, that is uh, inspiring DIY filmmaking right there from the walkers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, like, it's like Michael Mann uh, in Manhunter when he couldn't get the rights to that plane, you know? He just yeah. went and did it. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to think of it as an homage of sorts. Yeah, no, it, it's literally, like, it's down, gritty, NYC filmmaking. It's Daddy Long Legs. Just in fucking yeah. suburban Illinois. This is the Chicago no-wave scene. Exactly. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, it, the playground stuff is weird. It's like this really lengthy fight. There are so many fight scenes in this movie. Um, and they're like fighting the ring wraiths on the playground. And then, uh, there's like an insert shot, a son cut to like these, this mother and her child. And she's like, excuse me, my child wants to play here. And then they leave. 
Okay, uh, wait, can I we like... talk about this moment actually? Yeah, okay. It's very strange. This this moment. First of all, this girl. <laughs> She looks like she's 13 years old, and they actually call this out, and she also looks terrifying. <laughs> yeah, she does not want to be in this motion picture. Yeah. And it just makes you, like, who are these people? Why were they roped into this? And the whole joke is, yeah, it's like, hey, uh, this is like a public playground. Why are you here? And you have to imagine that this was inspired by some real-life event, where because they did not get permits to film at any of these places, they were just kicked off. Yeah, it's... It's a very strange scene. Most of the movie is fighting. Um, and it's fighting like how you would fight with your friends with like plastic lightsabers where you just kind of like yeah. swing swords above the waist at each other. Um, and then there'll sometimes be gags where like people will do a thing for a movie. Like Brad Jones will be on like a, a bridge and be like, prepare to meet Kali in hell and try to cut the bridge like the end Temple of Doom. And that is half of the fight scenes. The other half is just like, again, people swing swords at each other's shoulders. It, it, it illustrates the importance of choreography, even in like an amateur set like this, because the fight scenes are the worst part of this. They are unwatchably bad. And there's a lot and, of them. And not even like in like a funny, haha, we don't know how to fight way. Like it is literally just a, a flurry of people just swinging plastic swords. And it's that for, like, ten minutes. Yeah, and sometimes there'll be a special effect that's, like, very iMovie. Like, there are a lot of... The same explosion happens a lot. Um, the same, like, electricity bolts or whatever. There's a lot of, uh, like, sounds on wine the same. It's the same, like, clashing swords. And then the same punching effect they've been using since the anniversary brawl. Like, the, like, wet hey, if it, sound. <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Yeah. Um... There's a lot of jokes about, like, epic machine guns. Uh, like, Angry Joe will pull out a gun and be like, ah, and then we'll do, like, the iMovie muzzle flash. Yeah. Um, That's the best oh, I want to that say... That was in every YouTube le- video for, oh, for yeah, like, 2009, very... 2012. It's, like, la- later, on, later on, Lupa pulls out a machine gun, and, like, you know, like, next to Joe, she is just this beacon of charisma she is fucking gina rollins and she's just just mowing down people and like the most angry i got at this movie was when um she's like shooting a bunch of people at the ending fight and joe just stops from is like whoa this is strangely hot and then just keeps going yeah it's like that was one of the most repulsive parts of uh like 2010s nerd culture where it's like oh we it was like a whole whole vibe of like yeah we like girls if they have sexy boobies or... <laughs> yeah it, it's very <laughs> early webcomic stuff yeah it's this uh, like horny creep but in a wholesome way vibe and it, it's, you, it's you, a like, bizarre joke yeah there, yeah, there yeah, are a lot of you know like oh really... this is this is strangely hot again yeah that that's how that's how that's how these guys would just approach women it's like all right this is a this is a normal looking woman, but then if she does something epic, it's like, whoa, <laughs> yeah. I'm turned on? Question mark? Yeah. What's happening? There are a lot of like sex jokes in this movie, and they're all really creepy. Uh, if they're not like a G Wario <laughs> penis joke or a homophobic joke where like the film brain gets tricked into saying, I will eat your penis and stuff. <laughs> Um, yeah. Lindsay, Lindsay Ellis is the only one on the set of this movie. Lindsay Ellis and Brad Jones are the only ones on the set of this movie who I'm convinced have, have had sex. Have had sex? Oh, absolutely. No yeah. question. Yeah. Um, and all the sex jokes are like, 
oh, you see nostalgia critics dick and balls, or like people because uh, Obscure Sloop is Sleeping Beauty, so she falls asleep at one point, and everyone, all the guys are like, oh, no, I get a kisser, I get a kisser. It's it's not good. <laughs> it's not good, guys. Um, hard not to oh, when I, hard yeah, not to when I'm watching this joke. just imagine the experience of being one of the three women on the set yeah yeah what a dark dark period of your life that must have been yeah no i mean god especially i mean Lindsay. Lindsay just permanently carries herself in these with like the level of i'm too good for this shit that, so is. even when people are going like you have some epic boobs milady she just like kind of she just kind of reacts like yeah whatever um, and, By the uh, way, Lindsay Watch. We sh- I, I don't want to miss this. Lindsay Watch. Um, she is not seen drinking in this movie that I saw, but she does have a joke where someone's yelling very loud, and she says, "Can you stop? I have a migraine." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know where we go? You fucking <laughs> got that? You, really? Huh. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah, and most of the jokes are just like them saying things like that in fields. Or in yeah. one part in, like, a house that's clearly just, like, a friend of theirs because he has, like, an Akira poster on the wall. Um, <laughs> oh, th- fuck. I, yeah. God. The Okay, look. Let me just, since we're already deep into this, I- I'm just going to say the plot of this movie is that Doug finds a map to this, like, mystical artifact called Malachite's Hand. They basically go searching for it. They walk through a bunch of woods and fields for it. And they're hunted by... They're hunted by... Um, <laughs> Hunted by again one of Todd's few good lines. They're hunted by a guy from Run DMC, um, for, for just uh, who is looking for it. And there's a bunch of lore bullshit, and it's all fucking stupid. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a scene where it's like they paid a guy on DeviantArt to draw medieval manuscripts uh, to show. Oh, here's the good spirit and the evil spirit fighting over technology, and Malachite's hand is the thing they use to. Stop technology, I think. Yeah, that that was actually the weirdest part of the movie to me. How and again, this is just very early two thousands internet, but it was like this weird new atheist bent to this whole thing, where it's like yes. the whole premise is that at you know ages ago there was this battle between <laughs> science and technology, or no, I'm or sorry, science, science and technology magic. and like magic, um, and science and technology one, and then Malachite is represents yeah, magic because yeah. he hates technology so it's this very strange like that's what that's what atheism was back then and that's what what was epic about it and it was like oh yeah science rules i'm using my freaking iphone and i can <laughs> send text message <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and throughout all of it um they are our intrepid heroes are hounded by the annoying spirit of mati who they all hate who's like i want to help out on your quest and doug walker is like you should go buy goat porn for 8-Bit Mickey. Um, there's one bit that really stuck out to me where he's like, Mati, we need you here to protect the children and elderly. And he's like, there are no children and elderly, which, I mean, in Downers fucking Grove, that's not going to be an issue. <laughs> but he, Mati ends up being like one of the main characters of this motion picture. Oh, God, Mati. Okay, so... Yeah, let's, let's I... talk about Mati. Yeah, okay, so like we mentioned in the previous one, Mati is played by one of the founders of the site who would leave shortly thereafter. His name's Bargov, and he uh, 
Uh, look, there is this weird, really uncomfortable undertone in all the scenes Mati is in, um, because the joke is that no one wants Mati around because, you know, his power is useless and he's annoying. And, uh, it, look, I, I don't want to read too much into this, but it, it, it just kind of rubs me the wrong way because aside from Todd, I'm pretty sure Mati is the only person of color on the site. Yes. Or in these movies at this in, point. In the set, like yeah. yeah, definitely. Like Rap Critic is on the site, but he's not in these movies very wisely. Um I don't know if Goggles is still on the site, but like She's in this definitely movie, not by this point. No. Yeah. The only people of color in the movie I'm pretty sure are Todd and um Mati. And you just see so many scenes of this horde of white people, the whitest group of people of all time, <laughs> just um, telling this one person of color, fuck off constantly. And it it just really feels mean-spirited and weird. I got to Yeah, it's, it's not bizarre. good. It, it, and it's also, yeah, it's... Yeah, you don't know why the, why the character is here other than, like, he's part of the crew, but... You know, he's not really, like, a producer for the site. So it's like, this is the character that he plays. Um, I don't know why they couldn't have given him something else to do. Um, and then the ending of the movie is he dies. And it's the, it ends on this weird note of, like, and then everyone mourned the death of sad, the yeah. There's jokes of, like, here are other crossovers they're doing. And there's a bit where, like... Spoonie's doing one of his epic rants about how Final Fantasy game is bad, and then he starts like crying, thinking about Mati. Um, Mati is in all of the main Doug Walker movies. Like he loves this joke, insane. He cannot get enough of it. Um, yeah, and Mati like uses the power of heart to defeat Malachite at the end, and it's the exact same thing as the Santa Christ joke from Cagassia, where they all have to chant something to make it happen. Uh, they all chant heart like they all chant I believe in Santa Christ uh, what a fucking <laughs> stupid website it's a great callback um, yeah it really shows how intertwined like intricately these films are really yeah. it does <laughs> yeah there's um, an intertextuality here that we just don't get in cinema anymore you know, so, well, speaking of intertextuality the last fight in this it's just like people attack Malachite one by one then he owns them um is special for more than anything else in the movie just being movie references and nothing else. There's one exchange that I think sums up this that got the last style of humor the best. And I imagine they want like every member of the audience to do like the soy jack face when it happens. Uh, <laughs> because Malachi gets Malachi's hand, it's a power glove, like the Nintendo thing. Then he says, I love the power glove. It's so bad. And then uh, like the movie. And then Linkara says, good, bad, I'm the guy with the gun, like the other movie. The, with the magic gun. With the magic gun, right. Sorry, how could I forget that? Uh, it's like, oh, those are two movies that if you watch these, you'll know what they're talking about. Like, you'll laugh them. Yeah. You're saying in this movie they say things from that are from two yeah, movies? Yeah, they, they say things that are from two movies, and it's like epic. It's fucking crazy. It's like funny and epic. It's like you're watching I, uh... both movies at the same time. But better. But better. You see, I, I think that... Um... The most defining line in this, I can't remember it exactly. It's like, uh, it's like when they're about to show off with um, I think it's when they're about to show off with Malachi. Doug says something like, "Let's let's defeat him with snark and irony." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I say to myself every morning when I wake up. Yeah, it's gonna be me going to work later. 
<laughs> it's, yeah. it's rip rule this day with snark and irony and irony yeah <laughs> and yeah the last like 25 minutes he's just fighting in that field and doing that kind of yeah. thing <laughs> i'm i'm loath to give star ratings to these movies but the last 20 minutes of this just dropped it by a full star I oh think. it's so it's, fucking bad it's literally just like just the same three shots of people swinging swords at each other over and over and over again and occasionally dog will reference like I don't fucking know, American Dad or something. Yeah, Doug will be like, remember Drop Dead Fred? Yeah. Some shit like that. Good Burger? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's just one of the, like, reviews that people like from him. Um, Like The Wizard or Good Burger. It Uh, sucks. I I, I just... Some other stray notes about this that I can't get out of my head is there's a weird subplot when they find... James Rolfe, who's like the good spirit who's trapped, is in the basement of the house of this woman who they like kidnap. Like they break into her house and like tire the couch and then go downstairs and ask that guy is there. And it's just a very strange sequence um, in a movie full of bizarre miscalculated sequences. That's definitely one of them. Um, There's a bit that's like I mentioned before where they go into this house and there's like a guy chilling there and they read a cursed book and they free like the guy who went missing and he does this shitty fucking voice that's supposed to be funny or it's just like the most nasally like high-pitched voice uh and then yeah, it's, it's doing it's like a how to describe it <laughs> he's, he's trying to do like a ralph wiggum thing it sounds like kind of yeah it's like you know the 80s nerd voice but like also kind of like a slacker bro voice where he's like yeah i don't know man uh this happened and it's 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 almost like a bill and ted thing almost um, which they already did which they did all right but again it's like man it's like you watch this movie you're basically watching yeah. like a hundred movies so yeah, I even watch, better you see them all at once and it only takes two hours two hours ten minutes <laughs> two hours and ten minutes like the big people always that love is a pointing slap out, in the face that 10 minutes that 10 minutes is like being pissed on people love pointing out that to boldly flee is longer than seven samurai which yes it is but it is worth noting how many great movies uh are definitely <laughs> under two hours 10 minutes even what we consider like long movies like hour 50 movies that is there there's a lot of masterpieces uh shorter than suburban nights put that way yeah Oh boy! So, do we have anything else to say about the uh, the plot of um, what is it? The plot of this movie uh, before we get into the production woes, since I think that's the funniest part of this. No, is how I, bad I, the production let's, let's was. there's no more plot in this fucking movie. Let's go. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the stories from the set of Suburban Nights, the the, the most um, illegal movie of all time. So from Lupa. Lupa says that, uh, what is it? Uh, Esther mentioned earlier that Doug's big directing technique was that he wanted everyone to read lines like he does. And whenever people said, um, whenever people said, hey, uh, I don't deliver a line like this, he'd say, we'll try it both ways. And he, like Stanley Kubrick on the set of Dr. Strangelove, <laughs> just used the tests, just used the fucking takes he wanted. Oh God! Uh, she also said that Doug would would give <laughs> directions to 
passerbyers who are like walking like walking by the set like he would like give them like <laughs> directions on how to be in the movie what is it they only had one camera to start out with and uh, then remember apparently... this movie is is filmed with them being split into two groups for almost the entire <laughs> yeah. time yes one camera in very different parts of this suburb of illinois yeah um uh, Ed and Lindsay apparently had to pull Doug aside and say, can we please use a second fucking camera? And they were like, they didn't have one, so they had to use Todd's. Um, uh, God, let's see. Um, there were a lot of injuries during the set of the movie. There were no safety precautions. Uh, Liz, who, again, was kind of roped into the movie as a slave, uh, like she got her the back of her leg fucking stomped uh during a stunt that went wrong and uh she was after after that happened she like went into the house to like ice it and rob immediately made her sign a like we're not responsible contract and pressured her into doing it because she had just been signed to the site um or hadn't i don't think she didn't been signed yet so that she was basically blackmailed into saying we're not liable Bennett the Sage was also apparently hurt. Orlando, who was I think the professional who plays the uh, who plays Malachite, uh, landed on his neck weird. It uh, and poor Eliza. We mentioned earlier that Eliza is the uh, is the person who she's the lady who they kidnap and they duct tape to the wall. Uh, she she was uh, she was there for such a long time she almost passed out. Jeez, wait wait. So they, that's like two shots. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh, wait, you skipped over one thing in this document, which is that the bit where Orlando injured himself was included in the blooper reel for this film. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, so, so grim. Um, okay, so another thing you need to know about this set is that it was apparently, it's filmed in, like, a Chicago winter. You know, the anniversary <laughs> is in April, so they had to film this in, like, February. And it was apparently freezing cold during the entire shoot and you know you see some of these costumes they're not the warmest costumes in the world and uh it uh oh god and apparently everyone was just absolutely miserable especially since the shooting schedule would work that one team would film one day the other team would film another day and um what is it the shoots would go on from like 6 a.m to like 10 p.m and so Insane. you are spending like an a 16 hour day in the freezing Chicago cold wearing like a link costume to make suburban nights. But that's the thing. This is again, like we say, like at, at one point, I think the implication that's made in this document is that Doug just sort of got tired of it. And he was like, well, what if we just gave up? And it, it's 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 funny because the specific thing is, quote, we had a meeting where they asked us if we wanted to make an improvised mockumentary and shoot it indoors. So my the implication I get from that is that Doug said it's cold out. I don't want to keep doing this. <laughs> Can we just do some bullshit in my house and call it a day? But everyone was like, no, like there was a sense of camaraderie on set. They all actually yeah. really wanted to get this done. Yeah. And uh, this was not going to be true of to boldly flee. <laughs> Uh, Suede said that, um, Suburban Nights was the first time he ever got a sense that something was off about the site, um, because 
most of the people there, like most of the talent were like mocked when they asked for craft services again. Um, her, he said, or even water on set. They were mocked for. Or and even uh, water. One of the Human most rights. deranged. One of the most deranged things is Iron Liz talks a lot about how, you know, she got roped into this. And one of the most horrible things is that she was not given like lunch breaks or she was not allowed to eat any of the food because she, you know, she's not part of the quote talent, even when she was paying for the food out of her own pocket. Jesus. Like she would often have to go to like Popeye's and buy food for everyone with her own money. She was not allowed to eat it. It, it's like it, it it boggles the mind um uh no one was paid for this by the way and as a matter of fact they were expected to do extra work to recoup the costs for the movie um uh <laughs> yeah like again when uh you know they'd shoot one day and then the day off you would shoot like crossovers and stuff and that's how you would help pay for the movie it's really really kind of deranged and the way Doug pulled this over on everyone was like, well, for starters, you're a contractor. You're not like, you know, you know, you're not technically owned by us or whatever. And he also said, like, you know, you're getting this free trip. You're getting to see all your friends. You should maybe help us out a little bit. And it's disgusting. Uh, Lindsay, Lindsay. OK, Lindsay uh, has like actual set experience. Um, she she has worked on a lot of different films she works with PBS now. She again, we talked about it before. She worked with Ryan Coogler in grad school, and I think she actually like had a brief uh, role in a Pokemon season. But anyways, we're gonna. I'm just gonna read what she said verbatim since hers is the most like pissy and damning, rightfully pissy, I should say. Quote: This was a set with more than 30 people, and they did not have food or water until they were told to do so. Quote, to my parentheses, to my memory, they didn't get around to it until day two. To be clear, an experience was not the issue. Arrogance was. Everyone who gets into film has a learning curve, but Doug and co. barged in like they had nothing to learn, and this resulted in a variety of issues, from not bothering to secure permits or even learn shooting location hours, suburban nights. Oh, speaking of which, I should just add that uh, they would start filming at 6 a.m., but the park wouldn't open till 8 a.m., so they would just be kind of standing around, like, with their thumbs up their asses for two hours. Jesus. But, um continuing or to multiple injuries on the set of to boldly flee they never secured production insurance ed glazer and i had to step in to help during the suburban night shoot which had next to no planning they never hired stunt people which there's a joke about how um what is it one of Lindsay's friends becomes her stunt woman in the movie which again they didn't have stunt people at all the whole experience was unprofessional and irresponsible. As for legality, I'm not positive, but this wasn't illegal as so much as grossly unprofessional given how much money was involved. This would have broken the rules of every guild on Earth, but this wasn't a union set, so what are you going to do? Jesus. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Dark. Yeah. Horrifying. Again, this is just an evil movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> there is a true like demonic energy to this at least like the werner herzog movies they were in service of some great art this is fucking suburban nights like imagine imagine like dying so you can make the the good that guy with the glasses movie <laughs> yeah the one no one cares about too yeah everyone, everyone now just like if they're interested in a doug walker movie you're some fucking irony poison sicko 
uh, and you know about like Kickassia and to boldly flee, of course. Um, but no one cares about Suburban Nights because it's not really. It's the best, which makes it the least like interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, it's, it's the mo- like, it, it is the least <laughs> offensive. I think it both in terms, you know, it maybe not in terms of sort of morally offensive, uh, as as we've talked about, but it is the most like. I hesitate to say watchable, um, but that might be the only word for it. This is the only I- one like if you like if you put a gun to my head and said you have to watch one of these again. Of, of the ones we've seen so far, I would choose this one easily. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I might. I might say Kickassia just because it's shorter. Kickassia is shorter. Kickassia. I don't know. I, I think feels you two are uh, underrating just how watchable Kickassia is compared to large stretches of this motion picture. Uh I don't know, man. The uh, Kickassia. Kikassia is not a movie. This is this is like a because Lindsay stepped in. This is like an actual movie. Almost. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So, do we have any more orders? Uh, or sorry, do we have any more things to add about this this terrific motion picture? I have one last note, which is the opening credits. Uh, which all the art in the credits, like all the other art in this, was done by someone on DeviantArt who they just commissioned. <laughs> Um, yeah. Cool. If you look at the IMDb page for this movie, you will literally see a DeviantArt watermark in the center of the poster. <laughs> uh, like the 2011 DA logo. It's it's very classic stuff. Um, and I think it was the same person, the same DeviantArt person who did all of the uh, like splash images for Linkara's videos. So it's very much a cottage industry. Um, oh, I I had one more note to add about the story um when mati dies they have a funeral for him and they put him in like a quaker oats can uh this brings to mind a certain extremely famous movie where there is a very famous scene where two characters want to have a funeral for another character um and they can't afford a receptacle of sorts for the character so they end up putting him in a folgers coffee jar uh, I can't quite remember the name of this movie, dude, but I remember it being pretty famous. I, no, I, I, I feel like I that's got to be a Doug about. Walker original. Yeah, you that's know, Doug Walker you know, original. always yeah. coming up with some crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, there's a... Uh... <laughs> yeah, there's no, no... I mean, it's just got to be like, you know, it's it's just got to be a coincidence. <laughs> there's there's well, no there's... way that one of the most famous comedy movies of all time, Doug might have something to steal from. God, imagine if Doug Walker did one of these where everyone had to dress up like a Coen Brothers character. It was just the worst shit online imaginable. How many Coen Brothers movies do you think Doug Walker has seen? Like Doug tops. Walker has definitely seen The Big Lebowski. Five. Five. Five? That um, sounds like a lot to me. He's, he's definitely seen Fargo. He's definitely sure. seen The Big Lebowski. Two. He's seen No Country for Old Men, I think. Sure. Um, True Grit. Uh, no, he's seen True Grit. He did a whole video maybe on True Raising Grit. Arizona. Maybe Raising Arizona. <laughs> maybe, maybe half of Raising Arizona. I would give you. Yeah, that. maybe he caught like half of it on like fucking uh, Spike TV or something. <laughs> he wa- he got the DVD from the library because he thought The Big Lebowski was epic, and he was it just didn't do it for him, so he turned it off. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. He's de- he, th- I think those are the Coen Brothers movies he's seen. <laughs> and we and he would absolutely. Uh, 
based on these say that the Coen brothers are it's one of his favorite filmmakers of all time. Yeah. <laughs> he would hate one... a serious man. <laughs> I want to one... I want to be in like... the room with Doug Walker as he watches a serious, <laughs> serious man. man. They don't have an ending. <laughs> Where's the ending? <laughs> <laughs> Spencer, that's a worrying. It's just good. a tornado. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude! I don't get it. What's the scene with the guy's teeth? I don't get it. <laughs> oh my God! Just imagine the thumbnail. Like you're you're going on Twitter one day and you see, hey, check this out. It's, Nostalgic critics like photoshopped open mouth and like ang serious man nostalgic review. <laughs> I do like how eventually he got tired of doing the whole like nostalgia part and like fuck it Mad Max Fury Road. Let's go. Yeah, there's no like separation anymore. He'll just do whatever movie he wants. Yeah. Yeah. God. Uh, God, I remember in high school a friend who watched it was just like, Yeah, he doesn't he's not a nostalgia critic anymore. He's just he's just the critic now. Awesome. Like, there's, there's just like yeah. there's already a show called The Critic and he's like, No, he's just gotta call himself the critic the now. The critic. Oh have God. you um have that you would seen be so demo fucking reel? funny if he called if he just called himself the critic, the critic and did not give a shit about like this beloved cult comedy. Have you seen his canceled sketch comedy show no we're gonna do an episode we, yeah, on it, we're gonna have Christ. to talk about it okay we're doing an episode on demo reel yeah well yeah I, I guess one last stray doug thought <laughs> is um one time he made a video about cisco and ebert and roger ebert someone sent it to him roger ebert sent a tweet like saw this video very nice and funny and then doug walker uh printed out and framed that tweet on his wall uh, like Anthony Birch with the Anita Sarkeesian tweet, and I think that's just really nice. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, what a, God, what that's a cool guy. <laughs> no, I remember. Fuck! I just remembered when Roger Ebert died. He like did a memorial video for Roger Ebert, and he like mentioned how he framed that tweet. Yeah, <laughs> King. God. We love a guy who makes a death all about himself you got i haven't been able to muster up the courage to watch it but there's a oh, there's yes. a video that esther and perry uh both linked in the chat and i made it through about a minute but it is a Ooh. it it is uh <laughs> it is todd salon's s it is a uh, my encounter with doug walker at matsurikon <laughs> yes it is a video of a that guy with the glasses fan armed with a handheld camera approaching doug <laughs> And nervously stammering out a bunch of bullshit. Well, Doug, like, has to play along at first. Doug's, you know, he's he was reportedly very nice to all of his fans. And, you know, they'd always do the bad credit card joke for him. And he'd have to do it. He's like, yeah, I'll always do a thing for them, even though it's tired. But um, <laughs> from what I have gathered, you see this video. And Doug is like, at first, he's being patient. And then this one guy is just like, what, why why didn't you make make this joke in the Red Sonia review? And Doug's like, well, gee, we got to get someone like you to write for the site. And as the video drags to 
three excruciating minutes, Doug just loses more and more patience with this fucking guy. If you look at his face in this video, we'll we'll link it with the episode. His face in this video, as it turns from this, like, genuine smile to see a fan to the most venomous scowl you've ever seen. Hey, I'm going to send some things to the chat, and I assume you can just put them up on Twitter. These pictures of Doug as, like, the video goes on... (laughs) he's just like he's having a bad time yeah (laughs) at at one point the guy starts like like doug's like listen i have to go to this convention now like i I have a panel coming up and (laughs) the guy is following him with the camera and doug's like looking over his shoulder into the camera while he's talking and riffing with him it's great one of the hardest things to watch one of the hardest five minutes of visual art i've ever seen oh it's so good yeah no the 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 scene from audition where (laughs) She gets the foot cut off. Is is a walk in the park. The fucking the fucking genital mutilation scene from Antichrist goes down easier than this. God, imagine Doug doing like a, an audition review. It's like what? <laughs> I don't. Why? Why? why, why wow! She, this she woman is crazy. <laughs> God, he didn't even do anything that bad. You think you think she could just be chill about it? <laughs> God damn! You think she does this to everyone who pisses her off? <laughs> this is—I I fear that something is manifested in you, Spencer. <laughs> you're getting like a, a spirit transfer. Yeah, it, it's like the the Borges quote: "Like if you read Dante, you become Dante. If you watch Walker, you become Walker." <laughs> oh God! Okay. Uh, I, this is extremely scattershot episode, but that that was this was fine. <laughs> we give Doug the respect he deserves, and um, that's gonna do it though. Perry, thank you so much for thank joining you us. So you provided much. some uh, very valuable insight. Thank you for putting up with my bullshit. Uh, likewise, uh, <laughs> this was a very dangerous state to have me in. Uh, but no, that's gonna do it. Um, so. Hey, everyone. Uh, we're not doing to boldly flee next week. We are actually taking a little detour. Um, uh, we are doing a, so the Doug world has this like extensive lore and, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, part of it is, uh, some of his reviews would tie into these movies. And one I do remember playing a crucial part was his review of Moulin Rouge. So fuck. we are going to talk about his big theatrical gaudy review of the movie Moulin Rouge. And uh, we're going to do it with a special guest. It's going to be fun time. Well, no, it isn't, but, you know. And, uh, yeah, no, that's that's what we're going to do before we, uh, we're we putting off the big one for a little while. You're going to remember it possible. so we don't have to. That, yeah. You know what? We, we really do remember it so you don't have to, if you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> we are a new generation of nostalgia critics. That's the ending of this podcast is we become the new nostalgia critics. <laughs> the review must go on. <laughs> Woo! All right, folks, All right. that's going to do it. Uh, catch you next time. Bye. Have a good one.